If you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your existing home, do what I did. Call Team Hochberg for money help with your house to figure it all out. He's your trusted local lender. Uh, Most listeners who secured an FHA loan after June of 2013 with a loan of of greater value than 90% are going to end up paying PMI, private mortgage insurance, for the entire term of their loan. This is important. Most listeners who secured an FHA loan after June of 2013 with a loan to value greater than 90% will pay private mortgage insurance for the entire term of the loan. The only way these listeners get to remove PMI is to either sell a home or refinance. Team Hochberg has helped me and thousands of podcast listeners refinance out of those FHA loans to a conventional loan to eliminate PMI and save a big, big basket of money. But they can't help if you don't call 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. That number again is 855-563-2843 or 56david.com for Homeside Financial and Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 1124061. Well, in the words of a wise broadcaster, this is exciting. <laughs> Your impression of me gets better every day. Yeah. Uh, welcome to a very special edition of Live from My Office, uh, where I get to start asking my father, Steve Cochran, um, some, as he would say, deeply probing questions that are none of his bus- or none of my business. And um, this is uh, something you and I talked about doing for a long time. Yeah. Well, you know, this is what happens um, when you can't get the guest you want. Is uh, the producer winds up interviewing the host. Right, but that's not the case here. This is just something we finally locked in. Mm, sure. So um, I want to start by asking how you're feeling, because I think people uh, who live with you have a sense of that. But people who listen, um, a lot of people want to know how everything's going with the knee surgery. Yeah, well, I have my knee replaced. Um, never liked it. Never liked its attitude. <laughs> uh, no, I had my knee replaced uh, end of February. And we're now four weeks down the road, and uh, it's coming along, coming along pretty good. Riding a bike, which I, I couldn't do before. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. Now riding a bike and uh, and uh, get a lot of good PT in, um, and uh, soon I'll be saying, "I wish I'd done it before." We're not quite at that stage yet. Yeah, and I think people who are listening to this who have had that know very vividly the sort of stage right before you get to. Oh, I wish I'd done this sooner, which is. It's surprisingly painful. Yeah. Um, There's, there's, you know, you have some extra time when I haven't had surgery much of my life and not lately. And there's time to do things you wouldn't normally have time to do in the middle of the night when you're not sleeping. So for instance, I Googled, what are the most painful surgical recoveries? Because why wouldn't you want to know that? And uh, number one was hemorrhoid surgery. Mm. Never had that. Number two is something called a Whipple procedure. Mm. Which, which is a prostate surgery. Um, and the name of the man you're in. Right. And in this particular uh, uh, medical article, uh, knee replacement surgery recovery was third. Now, I don't want to scare anybody off this because I think it's really important that you do it because the arthritis that I have in that knee is now gone. It's kind of miraculous. So basically, they cut, they cut out the old knee, they cut out the arthritis. So uh, I will be able to uh, do a lot of things I haven't done in a long time. Or done to the to the level I wish I could. Sure. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. But you have to do the physical therapy, and it's completely counterintuitive because it hurts like hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, when you come out, your knee doesn't want to bend at all, 
And if you allow it not to bend, scar tissue builds up. And you can even end up going back in for more surgery. And you don't want that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's coming along. I've got great physical therapists. And um, I'm sure you know this. Um, a normal me for someone who is now 60 years old. I'm 60. I don't know if you're uh, is a bend of about 110 degrees. And I'm at 108. Nice. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think people who have at least seen you um, before this happened you haven't had 108 in your old knee no. uh, since. Not for a long time. Yeah. It caused me that Rockettes gig. Yeah, exactly. That's why I had to leave. Uh, so, yeah. So, the, the long-winded answer there is it's coming along. If you should get this, do get this, but do the physical therapy. And if you're at all hesitant about the physical therapy, don't get the surgery. Yeah. Because it's a complete waste of time and you're going to get yourself in bigger problems. That's fair. Uh, so, I want to, you know, we've already passed the year mark. Uh, that was while you were more in the intense phases of recovery of the knee surgery. Year for the podcast you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. So I want to, you know. Coming up on 100 episodes. Coming up on 100 episodes. Um, having a lot of fun, but how would you say that doing 100 episodes of a podcast is different than doing 100 episodes of a radio show? Well, 100 episodes of a radio show uh, is five months. Um, the podcast drops, we drop the kids say drop, mm -hmm. we drop three podcasts a week, which is almost five, <laughs> three is close to five. Uh, but the number builds a little bit slower. Um, the difference is you don't have the live energy. Yeah. You know, you know, you're talking to a bunch of people, it's live and it's more, that's a little more tightrope. Um, but having said that, uh, you're the guy that produces this, puts it together and has to edit it. I don't think I put you through too many edits. We try to do this live to tape. Yeah. And most of the time. I should say we, we don't use tape in case anyone my age is listening. Yeah. Well, listen, the chance that uh, anybody your age is listening. No, actually, we do. We do have a lot of yeah. younger listeners. Uh, but in uh, your 30 now, I don't know if you heard. I, I did. But yeah. But uh, yeah, live to live to to tape, in my words, uh, <laughs> you is. You even get the different I words even, out. No, I can't. That's the goal. Yeah, because that gives you that energy. And I think it works most of the time. Now, the focus, initially, we didn't know what the focus is. We're not even that clear now. Mm -hmm. uh, but we want this to be um, sort of a podcast for Chicago. There's other projects I'm working on, which I'm sure you'll get to. Um, but uh, for this, we want it to be a podcast for Chicago. So the audience has been so loyal to me and great to me through the years. I uh, have a podcast place to go. Yeah. So that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the answer, I think. Yeah, you. I mean, for uh, as little sleep as you've been getting, that was pretty good. But I think one of the things that stands out to me in watching you do this is the ways in which it has been different. I think people don't necessarily um, give themselves enough credit, you included, on uh, how sp specific the skills are associated with doing a radio show and how those skills aren't 100% transferable to a podcast format. It is different. It's radio 2021, but it is still different. And um, from a performer's standpoint, you know this, you do podcasts yourself um, for Awana um, and you've built out a whole podcast division. So you've learned this as well and you've been watching me do it for years. But one of the great joys for me uh, was having you work with me at WGN and then you agreeing to do this now. Mm -hmm. Now, if you hadn't agreed to do this now, there would be no podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the coolest points for me and i know you'll have this with abigail and isaac is there's no way your kids understand what you do you just can't and when you were little 
and your sister Amy was little, I used to be concerned that um, your friends had dads that would get up in the morning. Yeah. And they put on a suit. Yeah. And they'd go to work. Yeah. A lot of them traveled. They'd come back and it was not a nine to five life, but it was more the majority of the dads had this thing. Yep. They left the house. They came back. They had some sort of job that you could talk about in third grade when you had what does your mom and dad do for work right. day. Um, I had this sort of mysterious thing where when you were little, I was doing an afternoon show, I think, more than a morning show. But I'd go off to work at 2. Yeah. I'd play golf in the morning and go yeah. off to work at 2. I'd usually have a business dinner afterwards. I'd get to home 11 o'clock or midnight. I'd stay up till 3 or 4 in the morning. I'd drag my butt out of bed so I could at least see you guys walk you over to school uh, or have breakfast with you. And I thought, you're not going to have any clue what I do for a living. So fast forward. But what's funny about that, if I may do pull a Steve Cochran and interrupt you. Sure, go ahead. um, Is I I think you you did have that conception, but I think it's more the reverse. I think more people, and obviously you and I are very close, so it could be different there. But I think people who, a lot of my friends had no concept of what their dad did other than it was that they sat behind a desk. Right. And it was something with numbers and spreadsheets. Right. And because I knew that you talked into a microphone, I could at least talk about what you did, even if I didn't necessarily understand the reach and the work associated. And you knew some of the people that I tell some of the famous people that I talked to. Yes. So on some level, it probably looked like it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I was a big fan yeah. of the interview with OJ. So, I was really involved in that when I was six. Uh, yes, you were. Of course you were. Um, but at one point at GN, you said to me, and this is a, the, the bring it back to the Abigail and Isaac piece, uh, you said to me, um, uh, watching you up close, I had no idea how good you were at this. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the nicest things you've ever, you could say to me, um, you know, on a, on a job level. Yeah. Because it meant to me you understood it. It meant to me that you didn't feel like you had been abandoned for most of your childhood, that there was a purpose to all of it. So that was cool. But this is a cool thing now because you're, when you left WGN Mm -hmm. uh, to take a real person job um, with our friends at Team Hochberg, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, you, um, I remember this vividly as well. We were going to have lunch. And I knew what you wanted to tell me, I thought, but I didn't quite. And I had my speech all ready to go. It's like, look, man, you need to stay here. You need to do this. This is such a good at this is going to be so great. You had laid it out in your head so perfectly about why you had to go take a real person job and a legitimate job and learn about what it takes to buy a house, own a house, mortgage a house, all those things that I had nothing. Yeah. And from a father's perspective, especially somebody like me, who I don't know if you know this, I like to fix things and offer advice even when you don't need it. Um, that to me told me, wow, kid's a grown up. Yeah. yeah, he's fully a grown up. So to come full circle and now have you working with me on this, it's great for me. Yeah, it's great. It's I mean, great for me too. I think you know what I hope for folks who are listening is that they hear some of that and they hear the ways in which you, in particular, can be. Um, I don't want to say unfiltered because that makes it sound like you're doing a, a, you're working blue in the show, but that you, well, we can't say shit in words like that, that we can't normally say other places <laughs> and you're old enough now where I can say it in front of you. Yeah. Um, but like, there's a comfort, I think there's a, yeah. and which is why live from my office is so good. Cause it sounds exactly like it is like you are just talking in the office to the folks who are listening. Um, I did want to ask, you know, since you are uh, up in the middle of the night, all the night, all the time now, and you have had a lot more time to think, um, 
where we're at as a country a year later into COVID. You know, we're well past a year at this point now, but for folks who are listening, I, you know, especially people who listen all the time, they hear the kind of daily and weekly response that you have to the events of in the news of the day. But once you realized that this was going to be a thing, like that this was going to be a kind of generational defining moment for this country mm-hmm. in the ways that wars were in pre- for previous generations, mm-hmm. did you think we'd be here a year later? Like, how do you feel like this has met or not met or uh, gone with your expectations related to COVID? Well, it's interesting because I think it's directly related to politics, which, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking and talking about. And um, one of the things, again, that thrills me as a parent is that you and Amy um, are both very political and very much understanding of how the world of politics, as screwed up as it is, uh, determines what we're able to do and not do in life. So COVID hits, it's Donald Trump as president. And let me. how do you feel about him? Well, let me do this joke for the thousandth time. The only person that likes Donald Trump less than me is Melania. Um, I'll make sure to put a rim shot in post. Please do. But I, it was really, really frightening because um, I said it to you off the air. I said it on the air back at WGN. When Trump was elected, I had no idea how bad it could go, but I knew there'd be tons of problems because everything was and always will be about him. Uh, and he had no interest in the job, which he showed regularly. He didn't learn anything about the job. So when you have something that massive that comes along, that you're going to shut down the economy. You remember this happened in stages. At the beginning, it thought, oh, it's March. You're telling me it's going to be June 1st before we get out of this? Right. And uh, it rolls into June and July and August. And all the way along, Trump, even though he got sick, is acting like it's no big deal as the death count goes up and up and up and up and up. Um, Biden gets elected and Biden has passed his prime. That's not a secret. Yep. However, he's somebody who has uh, done this thing forever. Uh, everybody returns his phone call. Um, I think Harris has a good chance to be a good vice president, but we needed a change to somebody who would be a grown up who cared about the job and understood they were working for the American people, not for themselves. So it, it kind of came in waves to answer your question. In the beginning, it was really it was very scary. Because not just for personal health, it was like we have the absolute wrong people running the country. And I'm just talking about Republicans. There's a lot of really weak Democrats as well. And since neither side could figure out how to get along, we were headed towards a really bad outcome um, that could be even worse than the position we end up being in. And then we find out that the great scientific brains are going to be able to deliver vaccines, multiple vaccines, that can save all of us not in the five to 10 year period that normally happens with vaccines, but in a year. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And by the way, that game has completely changed. Yes. So for the greater good of all of us medically going forward. So Biden gets elected. Uh, you start to feel good again. Mm-hmm. And I say you, I mean me. Yeah. And you, but you start to have some optimism going forward. Um, and I think the combination of new leadership plus uh, three viable vaccines um, is a huge, huge deal that uh, gets us into a position where we can come back. Now, the question is, what do we learn from this? Right. Are we the greatest country in the world? Does it matter if we're the greatest country in the world? What matters is that 550,000 people are dead. Mm. And 550,000 people didn't just drop dead. 
They dropped dead because they had something related to COVID. And for people who don't wear masks and don't social distance, I don't get it. I'll never get it. It's such a minimal thing you're being asked to do. Um, You know, we've all experienced it. It's a gigantic pain in the ass to put a mask on everywhere you go. I don't care. Mm -hmm. It's the least I can do. And we know it could save people's lives. And then you have people go, well, the mask, they don't work. Okay. Let's say the masks don't work to the level that I think they work. If the masks work 10% of the time, we would save what? 55,000 lives. Right. Yeah. If that, if that was a correlated math figure, that would make sense. That would make sense. And that would be a good thing. So I don't know why people don't do the minimal they need to do, but we live in such a selfish time where everybody wants to do their shit when they want to do it. And they don't want anybody telling them they can't. So I hope if we learn anything from all of this, we learn that, that the cliche we're better together than we are apart really is true because to run a democracy and to live in a democracy, the most screwed up form of government, but the best form there is, then you got to do it together. Do you think that, do you think that we're in a more selfish time or do you think we just have more access to selfish people? That's a great question. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe, maybe we were always the selfish, but your stupid opinion and my stupid opinion couldn't be put up for consumption every time we thought of it. Cause I think that relates to uh, more your world in the media and sort of the, their part in this. Cause I don't know if you know this, but you were on WGN for a while. I was that ended. Yeah. What happened there? <laughs> Here's the thing on January 1st, I'd like to invite you to the, what happened to WGN? Uh, situation because I have something called an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, which I signed, interestingly enough, with the previous company, uh, which says that I can't comment on anything related to my departure from WGN. Now, that doesn't mean there's bad things to say. Doesn't mean there's good things to say. Just means that I don't like uh, depositions and lawyers and things, so I choose to abide by something that I signed, an NDA, and uh, uh, January first uh, uh, of 2022. That'll no longer be in play, and we'll see where we are then. But I have sure. a feeling there could be some comments from me and others. Like I got a lot of people who are friends of mine who still work at GN Radio and GN TV, and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, I care about them, worry about them, and I want them to to do well. And for them to do well, the next star company that fired me needs to do well. Mm-hmm. So I would rather see that company do well and see my friends do well because uh, I care about them and their outcome. By the way, sidebar here, but. Um, I just read moments ago in the Robert Feeder column that Aaron Ivory um, suffered a heart attack. Oh, goodness. Which is crazy. I mean, this this uh, beautiful, talented news person um, who looks as healthy as the day is long. Uh, she had something going on with her ticker and, and she had a heart attack. She's got four kids. Right. Uh, she's out of the hospital and apparently on the mend and, and uh, getting better. But, you know, it just it's all balance, right? You look at that stuff. And maybe it's turning 60, but you look at that stuff and you go, hmm, what's really important? Yeah. What's really important is your kids, your family. And that's the other lesson that hopefully came out of COVID because we've had to spend so much time together in our bubbles, whatever our bubbles are. I hope it helped determine what really matters in your life. And I think that's something that, that we have gotten out of this in a positive way, at least most of us. Yeah. Well, because I want to, I think 
while uh, honoring all legal requirements here, one of the things that I think is particularly, um, I'll say disappointing, is the way that the success in media has changed. That my perception of when you were growing up in previous generations of media that was that success was mostly defined by impact. That yes, ratings and revenue. That you were able to connect with folks and in a three-channel universe, you reached a lot more people than this podcast could ever hope to reach. Find an audience, keep an audience, build an audience. Yeah, you're right. But the because it's become more about clicks, more about um, five-minute attention rather than loyalty. And that's certainly not just a Chicago media problem. That's an everywhere media problem. Do you think there's a, a, there's a going back? Because I would imagine that at least how I look at it for my generation is that to me is what's going to continue to come up for us is the ways in which we long before COVID bubbles were a thing, we're in our own information and bubbles in our own ecosystems that make it quite literally impossible for me to understand why someone wouldn't wear a mask or me to exist in a different world because that person is not being told that they're wrong. They're actually being affirmed. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah, it's all silos. And you know, that there's a positive and negative to it. Uh, the positive is you get personal choice in a very specific way to listen to what you're interested in as opposed to be broadcasted to. Um, and that wasn't just three-channel universe. That was everything. It still remains to be with radio now, uh, though it's much more, you know, fractional, fraction, fractionalized. Sure. Let's make that word it's up. It's a podcast. We can make up, and there's no rules. So the podcast piece of this is this, right? There's a couple of million of them every day. Yeah. And the frustrating, Literally, by the way, that's yeah. <laughs> and the frustrating thing is I've done this and had a lot of success with this talking thing for almost 40 years. Yeah. And, um, just based on that, if you're an airline pilot <laughs> and you've been flying a plane for 40 years and somebody gets on the plane and they're in the back and maybe they watch the movie Airplane. Sure. They can't fly the plane. Sure. But there's no barrier to entry with podcasts. I mean, where we're sitting now, live in my office, there's about $1,000 worth of equipment. That's not a lot in the world. I mean, I when I left GN, I think those studios were probably $10 million all in for those mm-hmm. studios. But I'm doing essentially the same thing here with $1,000 worth of equipment. So if you can spend $1,000, you can do it for much less than that. You can do it for a couple hundred bucks. Yes. You can get a podcast. The, the interesting thing is now, because everybody can do it, is how do you break through and how do you get noticed? Well, that's why I'm trying to maximize the Chicago audience piece of this. But I'd be lying if I didn't say it's a little frustrating at times that, um, you know, a guy that can do musical arm farts, uh, but has a nice social media following, could have a, a podcast with as many ears listening to it as I do. Yeah. Um, but you and I've had this conversation. You've been very good at leveling me off on this stuff. <laughs> and I think you said this to me, but look, you don't have to play the, this game. Yeah. But if you are going to be in this game, these are the rules and the rules are everybody gets to get in and uh, you've got to figure out a way to do what you do to interest the most people. So, and I think for people who are listening, there is a benefit to the choice that's given where folks are able to have more access to people like you, but there's also a responsibility that I, I don't see exercise enough for 
certainly my generation, of making informed choices in what they consume in their media. Yeah, and because they don't have to, right? Because you don't have to. Right. And I would hope that folks who listen to you on the radio, who, and I know this because I talk to a lot of you on social media, where this might be the only podcast on your phone. And you may only be listening to us because someone taught you how to download podcasts. Yeah, good for you, podcasts. by the way. And for the record, we're very grateful. Uh, that there's a responsibility that with when radio was king, it was more handed to folks. And like you're saying, then perceptions were, sh- were shaped by a smaller group of people. You know, I think about the ways in which um, my kids are going to grow up with a greater sense of not only their own privilege, but also um, more access to voices from people who look, sound, and act and have entirely different backgrounds than they did when that was not really a thing when I grew up. I grew up in a much more homogenized environment, not because you and mom did anything wrong, but because that was the world. So there is progress there. However, it's also really important that people who are listening are taking the time to listen to a variety of things. Well, but don't you think that's a personal choice that you have to make? I mean, you listen to the daily every day. You listen to different podcasts. You read everything you can. Uh, you work for a faith-based uh, company. You're a Christian. You could certainly tunnel in your belief system mm-hmm. and stop at what you hear that you believe in. But I hope you got this from your mom and me um, and Amy as well. But I love learning new stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, people people listen to me for years would never buy any of this, I suppose, <laughs> on some level because my ego is substantial. But my ego comes from the work that I do and the fact that I know what I'm talking about, but I, I always admit when I'm wrong and I, um, I like learning new things. Um, you know, if I was just, uh, you know, I would say I probably leaned Republican a good portion of my adult life, but I couldn't watch Fox because it was a cartoon, right? It was like, we're always right. They're always wrong. Well, MSNBC has got the same problem. MSNBC does the exact same thing. And that's one of the reasons that one of the projects that I've announced here before, but I'm working on is something called the 60. Right. And that is that 20% of the country is far left. 20% of the country is far right. Politicians count on the fact that they think you are, you, the voter, um, are too busy or too stupid to get involved to change who's in charge. Um, and it can't just be on presidential elections. You always hear about people being primary. I don't expect the public to understand what that means, but primary elections are vitally important because primary elections determine who runs in the general election and eventually gets to that presidential election or the midterm, the two things people generally go and vote for. So if you want new leadership because of the, the hideous gun problem we have in this country, um, if you want new leadership because um, you want anything changed, you got to live within the system. Right. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not law and order. You know, we're 60 minutes later, you get a solution to something. It's a slow grinding process, but the problem isn't, we have too many old white guys. The problem is those old white guys that we have, mm. you got to change them. It's not about being an old white guy or an old white woman. There's a lot of old white women in Congress as well. Uh, you can be any color you want. I don't care. But I've never been farther away from a Republican or a Democrat because both parties are an absolute disaster. Um, You know, one more than the other too many times. 
but the lying, the just the abject lying and just saying things to keep the job. It's just so outrageous to me. And the public needs to be as pissed off as they were prior to this last presidential election to stay involved. And you got to vote in these primaries. And as I've been, my sermon forever has been, there's a million places to figure out who you need to vote for. Mm-hmm. But you're going to be stuck with the Ted Cruz's of the world in Texas. And um, the Josh Hawley's in Missouri. Josh Hawley in Missouri. And, uh, you know, a lot of bad Democrats as well. You know, I mean, Diane Feinstein is 175 years old. She <laughs> needs to go home. <laughs> And, and, uh, God bless her for the work she's done, but at some point it's over. Sure. You know, Pat Leahy, the Vermont Senator, you know, you, you get to a point where you're, you're past your prime and you're too old to do this job. It's not, it's not being mean. It just is what it is. Well, I mean, not even say, age. You can even think about what's happening with governor Cuomo, right? Where the, the isolation of being in an environment where everyone's telling you how great you are. Mm-hmm. or you're able to sort of carve out that niche that what that does to a person is does not know any party that what that does, you know, that yeah. corruption um, is on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. You're not different than a Kardashian. You end up thinking you're talented. Well, and then mm-hmm. I think what frightens me about it. And when I think about the world in which Abigail and Isaac are going to grow up in is that <laughs> my generation the same generation that made apps that make your face look fat love authenticity, right? It's part of the appeal of Bernie Sanders. It's part of the, it's part of the appeal of of Donald Trump where because of his um, bullshitness, it was so um, massive that it actually seemed authentic to some folks, but to use the gun control conversation as, as an example, I think the vast majority the 60 that you're talking about look at how broken the conversation is about it, where it's the same hope and prayers on one side and screaming and hysteria on the other and go, well, nobody's actually telling me what can I do to keep my kids safe? Right. Nobody's actually talking to me about the fact that that Senator who made that bad gun policy was at one point, a local official who was able to get voted in in a local election and right. work his way up the political bench because not enough people were paying attention. Right. And because we want instant solutions, we all go, well, what do you mean? I have to vote in a primary and research a candidate and then figure out who the right people are to vote for and then help campaign for them or raise money for them and how much money is involved. And you build this mountain of problems and you go, I'm too tired. Sure. I got a life to live. Yeah. So, yeah, it's tough. But, but the best way to see that nothing changes is to quit, mm. is to uh, is to give up. Um, the 60 is the majority because 60 is a bigger number than 20. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, But the far left and the far right remain in power because they have the power of the primaries. They know that only the most ardent Democrats and Republicans are going to show up to vote in the primaries. Therefore, they're going to determine who ends up in the general election. And the 60 that shows up for the general election will have a choice that where they go, really? These two? Mm-hmm. That's what you hear every four years. 350 million people in this country? These two? Well, it's those two because you don't get involved in the process ahead of time. Yeah. Because I think, like, to speak directly to folks, like, the it has been accepted and I think quite poorly that um, not liking either candidate is a passable reason not to vote. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. And I'll just say that like the way that you get to candidates who actually like 
is by voting for candidates that you only like a little bit. And eventually you're able to put better people in position. And I think that because the system, both parties count on people not voting, they count on people. Um, what, you know, Republicans are doing this much more than Democrats of disenfranchising folks and de-incentivizing democracy. Then people feel that and it creates this cycle where they don't actually get involved. It, to me, it's always been like, okay, the house is on fire. I've got a bucket of water. Mm hmm but I don't really want to throw the water on the fire because I might get wet. Yeah. You know, uh, you got to take action. You got to get involved. You got to be a part of the solution or the problem just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the way, there's no guarantee that it's not going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But the point of the 60 is to get the 60, the majority of this country fired up to stay involved in the process. The media is not fake news. One of the worst things Trump did was do the, this fake news label. The legitimate news organizations have floors and floors and floors of lawyers to keep them honest. Nobody's making up news. Mistakes can be made. Retractions are given. But it's nothing like the crap that goes on at OANN and uh, Newsmax, Fox to a lesser extent, MSNBC to a lesser extent. But CBS, NBC, uh, ABC, uh, you know, Politico, all these folks. They, in fact, are reporting the news. Reporting the news. Reporting a news story means I go out, I find out that the house is on fire. I ask questions. I find out what may or may not have started the fire. I talk about who was or wasn't injured, and I move on. That's a news story. I'm reporting right. the facts, and then you can decide what you want to do with the facts. The difference is people are now blaming the media. The media has done such a shit poor job of defending itself uh, that they've allowed this fake news thing to take root. I would just go back to the point you were making and I was making earlier. Find something that you're interested in and find out if it's true. Mm. Read something that agrees with your viewpoint and then find something that doesn't. You know, make your brain and your heart work a little bit and, <laughs> and, 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 and figure out from there you know, what works. And, you know, it, if you've been living uh, within your bubble for the last year and we can see the end of COVID in sight, you owe it not just to your family, but you owe it to yourself. That's how we keep this country above water. Um, and we get back to being greater than we were before. Cause I still think that's possible. Amen to that. I was looking this up because I think it's a resource that I found really helpful that I don't know if everybody knows it exists, but, um, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but Ad Fontes Media. Have you, have, have I you don't heard know. these guys? No, I don't know. So this, they're a group that rates the news based off of media bias. So what's really helpful about it is they rate it based off of both partisan liens as well as original fact reporting versus conspiratorial nonsense. So you have an organization like the Wall Street Journal Editorial Board, right, which is very high facts, very high fact-based reporting, but does lean right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes very much so. And there's the ad board, there's opinion pieces, obviously. Right. And then you have the, you know, uh, the National Enquirer, which is obviously a bunch of fake stories. And it does a really good job, and I'll link it in the show notes, of visually putting out there in a very fact-oriented way what news sources are actually neutral. And that's why, you know, when you look at a, you know, that's why people who listen to ProPublica tend to have very down the road middle views because mm -hmm. that is just a, just the facts, ma'am kind of reporting. Well, and that's what we need. Yeah. 
you know, the, the, the New York Times uh, is not a liberal mouthpiece. The New York Times, I guarantee you, as a majority of the journalistic staff that lean Democrat. Right. But their job is not to write Democrat and report Democrat. Their job is to write and report the news. And 99% of the time they get it right. So yes. does the Washington Post, so does the Chicago Tribune and the other great news gathering organizations that still exist. But it's on us more so than ever because the economics of, uh, of being in the news business suck. <laughs> and uh, for that reason, there's less l- legitimate outlets. Yeah. So, you know, your neighbor has a Facebook post that says, oh, did you know that uh, the guy from QAnon said this, said that. Don't read it. You can't get those minutes of your life back and certainly don't spread it. Right. I don't, you know, I, here's the thing I don't have any tolerance for. There's a tremendous amount of time in the media wasted about, for instance, QAnon followers. There's a great documentary that just went up on HBO about it. Uh, QAnon followers and people that believe that Tom Hanks is involved in a pedophile ring yes. and things of that nature, or that Joe Biden isn't really Joe Biden. It's Donald Trump and it's a face off thing. Mm-hmm. I can't help you. Yeah. Nobody can help you. If you're that far down the road that you're believing that nonsense, um, you need to talk to a therapist immediately. You need to figure it out. If you're willing to let your kids go, and this goes back to the QAnon thing, where you've separated from your family because you believe more in stuff you've read on Facebook than you do in your family's opinion about what's right and what's wrong, God bless you. I hope you can find your way back. But that's not the majority of the country. That's the majority of the noise in this country. Sure. And the noise gets the most attention. The majority of the country is still the 60, the 20, and the 20. And even the far left and the far right 20, they're not the QAnon types or whatever the left equivalent of that is. So just find your way closer to the 60. We've got plenty of room. (laughs) And uh, let's get this country back and functioning the way it should be. Whew. What a workout. That was a lot. Yeah. That was good (laughs) stuff. Do you think that (laughs) when you look at um, how your generation in particular consumes social media, do you think that it's possible to prioritize wisdom again rather than information? Um, Harder than ever. I'm going to go with 5149. We can still save this. Sure. Um. You know, there's, there's guys I golf with who are very smart guys who run major companies and there's neighbors of ours in the past that are very bright, engaged people. And, um, they just say nonsense. I, you know, when, when I, when, when somebody says something off the deep end and I said, well, where'd you see that? Well, it was on Facebook. It was on Facebook from who? Well, you know, Carol posted it. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I must have missed when Carol got a Pulitzer Prize for journalism. Sure. Why would you suddenly put that kind of faith in your neighbor sending you? It's, it's the equivalent of, for my generation, it's the equivalent of a chain letter in the past. Mm-hmm. It, it just has no validity. So I guess I'd say before you go, oh, yeah, I thought that might be true. Find out if it's true. Google a few more things and go look at that internet you spend so much time on and see if you can find a counterpoint. And maybe that counterpoint will make you go, oh, well, maybe it's not true. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think what ironic, what's ironic about it is there is a trust that your generation has in 
information because for the longest time you could trust that everything that was told to you was true. And I think that's one of the, no, reasons, that's interesting. One of the reasons why I hadn't thought about that. My generation is inherently more skeptical. Yeah, but it's your generation's fault. You invented all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. But I think like it's a, cause you know, yes, you're right about people being too far gone where they're not, there isn't help there, but there's a lot of people who are listening to this who have family, friends, relatives who are already too far gone. And to those folks, like there are, you know, like, it is what you said, like getting your family member into professional help is the way forward. It's gotta be incredibly painful. Yeah. To have somebody that you love, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, whoever. And you know, they're full of shit. Mm -hmm. And it's not some sort of lecture you're trying to give them. You're just going, you know, come on. There's no way that's true. But I think masks in particular are a good example of something that's a little like more obtainable than someone believing that uh, Joe Biden is actually Donald Trump wearing a mask, right? The, the way in which you can have a conversation with that person, the person in your family who refuses to wear a mask should be, it not always is, but it should be different than the way you have a conversation with your, with your family member who believes in QAnon. Because True. the thing that I think often gets missed is you know, Joe Walsh had this tweet not so long ago referencing the rights, um, uh, Dr. Seuss fascination. The point that he made was folks need to stop talking about how crazy that is because this is actually what they care about. And they've, and the reason that people who call into his radio show care about it is because of politicians and leaders on that side of the party telling them that this is the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. But there's an authenticity to that belief that people uh, who are not part of that group go, well, that's a bunch of bullshit. Who cares? Cause like, I think that human interaction in that level of empathy is how you begin to break through some of these information bubbles. Well, yeah, I mean, if you, you talk to somebody who's wearing a mask, who doesn't want to wear a mask and you ask them like, why are you, you know, rather than saying you're dumb for not wearing a mask, right. ask open and curious questions to get them to see the ways in which, they care about the same things you do and you're making a different choice. Yeah, no, you're right. The approach does matter and the delivery does matter. Um, and there's a world of difference between saying uh, the Dr. Seuss thing, what are you stupid? Mm -hmm. uh, and then saying, um, no, the Dr. Seuss foundation made a choice to pull three titles or five titles, whatever it turned out to be, because they, didn't want those books out there because they may have had some racist references in them. It had nothing to do with Biden or Democrats or anything of the like. And then just saying, listen, I could forge you the story. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to find because that's a perfect example. That Dr. Seuss thing is a perfect example of here we go again. Mm -hmm. Now they're going after Dr. Seuss. This is what they do and not taking the opportunity to actually do one more click to see if it's true. So you're right. The delivery part of it does matter. Now you're really good at this. Because uh, you didn't learn this from me, <laughs> but at 30 years old, you're very good at managing a room and people whose opinions you may not necessarily agree with. And part of that could be, you know, you get to 60, your tolerance for nonsense. It's a little slimmer. Uh -huh. uh, but having said that, you're 100% right that talking to people about masks, to use your example, and using an example of, well, what makes you believe you shouldn't wear a mask if somebody says to you, well, it's a free country, I promise you, 
There's not a word in the Constitution about mask wearing. <laughs> There's no inherent right not to wear a mask. Um, I believe everybody on a motorcycle should wear a helmet, but right. some states don't agree. Um, we have to wear seatbelts. Yeah. Um, you got to do things in, the, you, you know, shoes in a grocery store. You got to do things that maybe aren't that comfortable. We do it because we live in a civilized society. That's what the mask wearing and the social distancing is. Do you think that uh, it comes down to nuance? Because I think that folks, as there's been more noise that's been created, as some of the things we've talked about where folks are, everyone and their mother is able to have a podcast. We're coming into a future in the DMV where someone's going to Does your mother have a podcast? She does. Uh, I should have been told. Somebody says, you know, what's your name? What's your, uh, how tall are you? And what's the title of your podcast? Right. right? right. Like that's how ubiquitous it is. Right. Right. But because of that noise to stand out, you have to make more and more shortcuts. You have to appeal to more and more baseline emotions. And we've lost the ability to have nuance in our interactions with each other. Do you think we've lost that forever? Uh, no, but I do think we've lost it temporarily. I think it's a great point. Um, I think you have to be curious enough to enjoy nuance. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know how we got here specifically and I don't know that it matters, but the idea that, um, everybody's out to get me is a right and a left problem. Yeah. And, uh, we got to get over that, you know, and, and honestly, part of it's ego there too, because, uh, you know, there was a thing, I think it was an Obama thing initially. It could have even gone back to the Bush folks. But it was about listening in on terrorist phone calls mm -hmm. and monitoring terrorist phone calls and the ability the government has to tap into to phone calls. Well, that turned into within 24 hours a news story about how the federal government's listening to every one of your phone calls. Right. No. Federal government has a list of phone numbers that are tied to specific terrorists that they're watching. And if for some reason you have a phone that makes a call to that number, then they will listen to your phone call. This is the thing that maybe is hard for some folks to understand. We're just not that interesting. <laughs> There's not enough time or manpower. It even goes to Facebook, you know, or the Google stuff that we've talked about before where there's a camera on you all the time. There's a mic on you all the time. We're not that interesting. Mm -hmm. Just live your life. Know that, yeah, you've never lived in a more technologically advanced time where your privacy could be interrupted, but you're not going to have 100% privacy. Yeah. You're not. And that's not a bad thing because I'll just take me for example. I'm not that interesting. Right. So live your life. Be a good person. Live in a civilized society. Uh, care about others. Um, you know, it's that everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten thing. Speaking of which, when are you going to come clean on the fact that Abigail's producing this podcast and you're not? <laughs> producing podcasts is part of my brand now, so I really got to figure out how to turn these mics on. Is there a quick way to explain what you do at Awana? Yeah. Um, so I am uh, the host of the Resilient Disciples podcast, uh, where we talk to thought leaders and f folks from in and outside the church uh, all about the future and kids. You know, one of the things that I got probably the most from you and mom is the idea that an adult investing in the life of not only their own kids, but that the next generation is some of the best time spent 
Um, and I get to do that every day at work. I get to be focused on how to make the future of the church and culture better for my kids by the time they are leading it. Do you have to be a part of Awana to listen to the podcast? No. Um, and, you know, I think for folks who know what Awana is, there's definitely a, it's such a loyal and honestly not dissimilar to folks who listen to AM radio, kind of just uh, trust that exists within that organization. But the Resilient Disciples brand, for lack of a better term, is very much intentionally designed to be about not only the church, but anybody who cares about uh, what the future looks like. And how do they find it? You can search Resilient Disciples Podcast anywhere, or you can email. Resilient Disciples is hard to spell. Yeah, it's true. If you search Awana, A-W-A-N-A, um, or if you email Show at gmail.com, I'll go ahead and forward you. The Cochran Show. I'll edit that out. At gmail. If you email the Show at gmail.com, I'll make sure you get in the right place. Well, it's good. I'm proud of you. And uh, I'm thankful for... Uh, one thing when it comes to COVID and that's what it's provided for our family. And that is that you and Lauren and Abigail and Isaac, Abigail now five and a half mm-hmm. and Isaac uh, yeah. a year and a half plus a month or so mm-hmm. um, are living here uh, with us. And it's been one of the greatest things ever uh, that uh, was kind of an outgrowth of COVID to some extent. But anyway, you guys are looking for a house. Yeah. Using Team Hockberg. Yep. And uh, and moving towards that. Um, so it's a blessing in the middle of all of this. It's a blessing. But I thank you, son, for uh, what you do professionally for me. But I love working with you and I love you. And, and I'm glad you asked me to do this. So I'm glad we finally did it. Now, do you have any, final, any other final questions for me? Anything I missed? Um. <laughs> I'm going to edit all this out. Uh, no, I, I think we, we covered a lot. I would think that what, uh, here, here's a, here's way I can frame this. What can people expect, um, in coming up for live from my office and maybe the 60, what, what can people expect from you in 2021? Uh, well, it's a great question. Um, I'll never lie to you. Um, and uh, you may agree with some of the things I say or the guests I bring on say. You may disagree, but you're never going to get a lie here. If I make a mistake, I will admit it readily uh, again and again. Um, as we develop this thing and, and blow it out in various different ways, um, we'll have some more of the fun stuff. You got a field radio show. We got prizes to give away and various things. Um, but we're going to continue to do this, continue to grow it. And I hope people will spread the word. If you ever like me on the radio, I think you'll like the podcast. And if you like the podcast already, tell a few friends. Don't assume they know. Yeah. And show them how to download it if they don't know, because it's not that hard. And if I may, you know, the thing that people will often say on social media to you is like, what can I do to help the show? Mm -hmm. And I think from my perspective, you know, if you are someone who listens to this on occasion, if you're someone who listens to this on the website, taking the time to subscribe to the podcast is very much like having us as a preset on your radio. Yeah, it's a great point. And great point. the benefit of us being a preset is it tells more, uh, more people that this is a show people like and the powers that be behind the various podcast platforms want you 
to subscribe so that they can tell other folks about this podcast. That's their rule. Subscribe. If you don't understand anything that I just said, feel free to email vcochranshow at gmail.com and I will walk you through it. He's not kidding. He will walk you through it step by step. Yeah, I mean, I, I've used this example before, but I, I helped someone figure out how to get live from my office on their smart speaker. Mm-hmm. And I will do the same for you because we're going to grow this thing and uh, be the most popular of all the bajillions of podcasts. That's right. We're going to be even better than that arm fart one. Yep. Um, and I do want to give you one last piece of credit uh, if I can, and that is when you were filling in for me mm. for the two weeks around surgery, um, our numbers jumped considerably. Yeah. But I'm not paranoid. No. It's fine. And no, you definitely shouldn't be. And I really appreciate you being a guest on my podcast. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. Uh, can I do the out or are you doing it? You do the out. Okay. Uh, this is live from my office sponsored by team Hochberg and our friend, David Hochberg. Thank you, Ross. When we come back, we'll wrap this puppy up on live from my office. If you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance the one you're in, do what I did when I wanted to refi alone. I called team Hochberg. My sister's done it three times. My daughter's done it twice. Look, for 20 years, David has built his business helping really, really great people like you get the most out of your money and the biggest investment you'll ever have, your home. Well, David also has uh, always been touched by the great work of first responders do and medical pros, especially in the last year. And he's built his business helping those folks too with the mortgages and, you know, saving the money them, uh, for them as well. But look, here's the deal. He wanted to do more than just say thank you to those folks. So every week, Team Hochberg recognizes first responders and medical professionals for keeping us all safe and healthy. And this week, recognizing Fire Chief Brian Lambell, Deputy Chief John Dolan, Battalion Chief Tim Cassidy, Aaron Grand George, uh, also Dane Feniger, and Todd Novak, along with Assistant Fire Chief Brian Loomis, and 75 firefighters and nine civilian support staff of the Mount Prospect Fire Department. Thank you, folks, very much. First responders and medical professionals deserve our appreciation. Family-owned restaurants need our support more than ever. So here's what Hochberg did. He went out and bought them all lunch. And if you could afford to purchase lunch from a family-owned restaurant for your local police and fire departments and hospitals, Team Hochberg has helped me and my family, has helped thousands of first responders and medical pros, and has probably helped more podcast listeners than you even know about. So why don't you get on that list? But he can't help you if you don't call 312-855-56-DAVID or go to 56david.com for a homeside financial and equal housing lender, NMLS number 112 Let's try something here before we go. Grab a couple of the phone calls. Hi, you're online from my office. Steve Cochran, you're as windy as a sack full of farts. Just wait a second. Is you this still what? doing this godforsaken podcast while uh, oh. you're yapping your tongues out of your shoe, you <laughs> fake newsman? Is this Senator McConnell? Yeah, it is. Well, you're what? lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut, man. Why would you be calling me? You know how I feel about you. And you know how I feel about you. So you're worthless. You're worthless as gum on a boot heel, man. <laughs> well, it's good to see you're in a good mood. Chipper as always. What can I do for you, Senator? How can I help you? you? Know, I'm just looking at my options here. I'm just thinking out loud. I'm who knows if things don't go our way in the midterms. I, I may retire. 
I saw there were some things out there about you maybe trying to put a law in place where you got to pick your replacement. You're a real beauty. Well, good luck with trying to get that law passed now. We're we're off like a herd of turtles here in the Congress. <laughs> well, don't get me started on don't get me started on being minority leader in the Senate right now. How's that going for you? How are you feeling about that? You know, I'm gonna one of these days I'm gonna cream Chuck Schumer's corn, man. <laughs> Biden's lost it completely. If if his brains were dynamite, it couldn't blow his nose. But as the guy that used to be in charge, who's now not in charge, you really seem kind of desperate. And then you got that Pelosi trying to undo all the good work we've done in the last 12 years. She's meaner than a wet panther, man. <laughs> all right. So if you don't stay in the Senate, what on earth would you do with your time? Well, there's lots of things. I got I got options. Uh, maybe maybe I could move on and do even more honorable work that I, that I've done here in the Senate. Oh, like sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Get a job taking soup from seniors in old folks' homes. Or, now that seems like a Mitch McConnell move. That I can right? see that happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could steal puppies from children. <laughs> yeah, very consistent. Yeah, you may have something here. And we we need to uphold the Second Amendment, where I, whether I'm in Congress or not. Oh, boy. Get get firearms to prisoners because you know the two A says we can have they can have them. So you're saying the Second Amendment says ex convicts can have guns, and we should leave it that way. Absolutely, ex cons with guns. That's your position. They're citizens too. We are talking about ex cons, aren't we? No, not ex convicts. I'm talking real current convicts in so prison. You, you want to give current prisoners guns? Sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah. What could go wrong there? Well, listen, it's a delight hearing. You sound, you sound confused, Cochran. Like you don't know whether to check your ass or scratch your watch. <laughs> well, it's a delight hearing from you. Uh, get some more fiber and, uh, you know, wrong call me again soon. Yeah, don't count on it. Well, you might think I'd take a deep breath and move on. But no, let's see who's on the line here. Hello. Yes, hello. This is uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo calling. Oh, is that? Well, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, but don't even get me started with all this crap they're saying about me, all right? It's it's preposterous. Let, let me tell you something. You have no friggin' idea what I got to deal with around here in Albany. These broads <laughs> are parading around here in these tiny little outfits. Mm -hmm. And I'm Italian. I like to kiss. I like to hug. What am I supposed to do? I'm screwed right from the get-go. You know what I'm saying? Well, getting screwed really is part of your problem, sir. So you're blaming the women then. That's nice. Uh, you're going to have to do a little better than that, I think, if you're going to get out of this. Look, look, hey, all I was doing was I was engaging in playful banter that was misinterpreted as some sort of inappropriate flirtation, all mm -hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Who gets offended by hearing so look, sweetheart, all I said was you got a nice set of mud flaps on you that could get a smile out of a Catholic priest. Well, how could that go wrong? Look, this explanation right? is not helping your defense at all, sir. No biggie. I'll give you an idea how difficult it is in my office, okay? You wouldn't want to work here. Yesterday this chick I'm sorry, this young lady with a plunging neckline, she went to put a speech on my desk while I was sitting there, and there they were, the 
the most impressive set of cannoli bags I've ever seen. My hand to God. Maron, I'm telling you, I took one look at those. I became lactose intolerant. Uh, you know, for your own good, I'm going to stop you right there. Thank you, Governor Cuomo, for calling. Well, I appreciate you giving me this platform to speak my truth. You know, even though when I speak it, it sounds like a record that's been playing on the wrong speed. You know, that's the only thing you said that made sense. Uh, all right, listen, uh, I am not smart enough to quit now because uh, I want to take just one more call. How could it go wrong? After that fine contribution from Governor Cuomo and Senator McConnell, I think we all need that palate cleanser I was talking about. So let's go here. Good morning, former President Donald Trump. Good morning, Cochran. How's the knee doing? Well, it's not great, sir. Thank you. I don't care. I didn't. I don't care. Yeah. Did you hear the news? From now on, Joe Biden's going to be using an acorn stair lift to get onto Air Force One. (laughs) Good for you, Sleepy Joe. Or or should I say Slippy Joe? You see what I did there? Well, no, hold on a second. Now, to be fair, when you were at West Point, you practically crawled down that ramp like a baby uh, and, 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 and made some BS reference about how slippery it was. Who are you to be picking on Joe Biden for falling, you big lug? I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, okay. Cochran. I am okay. so strong and so virile. I triumphantly climbed the steps every time I got on that plane, okay? Okay, I see, sir. Yeah. Really, all I want to wonder, I wonder about is, does Joe have life alert now? Can it, can you hear him? Help, I've fallen, and I keep getting up and falling again. <laughs> Pretty soon he's going to alienate all the younger people working around him. You know, after he's fired those staffers for smoking pot. Did you hear that one? Well, look, it seems like a strict approach, but I don't think we know everything about that story yet. But that's not really important because we just jump on whatever we hear. Some of the staffers only smoked it on their own time outside of work hours. We just we need more information. I guess this is proof that Biden doesn't support the Green New Deal. So who knew? Yeah, look at you. Look what you did there. Hey, how are things over there in Palm Beach at Mar-a-Lago? We heard it was partially closed because you had a COVID breakout there as well. Some of your staff tested positive. Is that right? Okay, look, it depends who you ask. I don't think there's a problem personally, but I've heard that some people are saying that Mar-a-Lago has become (laughs) Coffalado. You know, I told... Everyone there, I said, get the damn vaccine, guys. Stop waiting for them to create one that's an edible gummy. Some people can be so picky. Well, do you think that uh, it's been exaggerated by the news media? Because, you know, you just seem to be pretty sensitive about that. I don't know if you ever noticed. Hey, is Governor DeSantis's wife smoking hot? Of course <laughs> they exaggerated this. The news media always does. They want to hurt my business, Cochran. Look, this is Florida. We're all taking precautions, tremendous precautions. At Mar-a-Lago, we actually have a guy out in the valet parking area who shoots everyone with a Moderna needle out of a blowgun when they get out of their car. Just as a precaution. Very accurate. Well, it actually seems, in a weird way, efficient. But that's really what's happening? Look, the bottom line is Florida is getting a bad rap. I don't know why they're paying so much attention to Florida. I know for a fact that the COVID spikes are a lot worse in Europe and Latin America. Well, you're right, sir. In South America, like Brazil, for instance. And I'm very sad that this horrible virus is spiking in Brazil. So let's all hope the the butts are safe. They're beautiful butts down there. Huge, beautiful butts. They really are. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Well, well, well. We finally have something in common. Hold on. Governor Cuomo, how'd you get back on this line? Andy? 
the miracle of fiber optics, Bison. Now, before you ask how I got back on the phone line, let me say one more time. I am not resigning. I am not resigning. No way, no how. I got to say, Cuomo, you're holding up the alligators pretty well. It ain't easy, Donald. It ain't easy, especially when all the hot babes want a piece of the love gov. Right, Cochran? <laughs> they all want a piece of me. Uh, Can sorry. I help it? Hell no. I'm Italian. Maro. Look, look, real quick while we got you together, Governor and former President Trump, let's talk about something that you two could maybe even agree on. Who you got in the final for the NCAAs? Governor? You know, I'm going to go with Syracuse, naturally. Does that surprise you, Donnie, that I like the orange men? <laughs> Very funny, Gropener. I mean, Governor. <laughs> what about Watch you, what about you Mr. President? You talk about what an athlete and sports fan you are. Who are you going with? You know what? I'm going with Florida State. The Seminoles. I live here for heaven, you know. Yeah, yeah, the Seminoles. Those are my guys, the big F-U. <laughs> So that's not the acronym for Florida State. You know, a housekeeper here at Mar-a-Lago, they asked me who I supported in the Sweet 16, and I told her, F you. Then she started crying. So obviously not a fan of the Seminoles. And I suppose an HR complaint at your place probably goes right to you, so how could that help? Meanwhile, former President Trump, Facebook may end the ban they have on you, but in addition to that, we understand that you're planning to return to social media with your own social media platform. Well, can you right. talk about it yet? What's Does it have a name? Well, I haven't decided yet, but here are some working titles. Are you ready for this? Okay. You can be my uh, focus group. Look, okay. Okay, we have Orange Facebook. Okay. My lawyer said that would be all right to use. Mm -hmm. Then we have Twatter. That's and we also have what? one based on my extremely popular Access Hollywood video called Instagram. Okay. It's pretty catchy, don't you think? Instagram's probably where you probably are going to end up. Look, I don't know if I'd call them catchy, sir. I'd call them... Trust me. Trust me. My social media platform will be like almost nothing you've ever seen before. Like something that comes around only once in a blue moon, you know, like a Biden press conference. Well, we're going to oh, have that's a good one, Don. <laughs> we're going to have to end it there. But there is a Biden press conference today. But that's not important. Look, we got to end it there. Thank you, Governor Cuomo. I'm not resigning. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you, as always. Former President Trump, I think I know what's coming here. Later, loser. 30 years plus on the airwaves You have turned your dial to me Now you're tuned into my podcast It's live from my office, Steve From Ithaca, New York To Carolina South W. Cochran, Steve From Minneapolis and then Chicago twice, top rated shows achieved. Sit back, relax, and now listen to my show. When or wherever you are, cause you're on the go. Hey, list celebs with some laughs and great info. Live from my office, the Steve Cochran Podcast Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. No better place to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Subscribe and like for free. glad you're with me it's live from my office Steve. thank you for listening to live from my office a service of monkey run productions all rights reserved the podcast is hosted by steve cochran and it's mixed edited and produced by me ross cochran 
Support the show by subscribing wherever you're listening and by telling your friends about it. Follow Steve on all social media channels, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And make sure you check out this episode's show notes for relevant information discussed during the conversations. You can also email the show directly at thecochranshow at gmail.com with any questions or comments. And that's the best place to tell us about your favorite nonprofit so we can make sure we mention them on the next episode. Steve is available for corporate speaking gigs. He would love to MC your event. And occasionally, he's funny. Thank you for listening. Head to CochranShow.com for more.